Welcome to the Happy Never After podcast. I'm your host, Mara Merrick, and I am joined by Mark Gerber, who is very late. Uh, he will come with us uh, a little bit later. You know who he is. Uh, photo no, she didn't on Instagram. Also, Colin Baja, who is a life coach and a gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous man. If you guys were here, you guys would be wet. Oh, God yourself. bless you. Hello, hello. <laughs> I watched you to bagel, and I was like, you son of a bitch. You <laughs> well, that's why I'm wearing a very loose-fitting, large black uh, outfit in order to hide. Whatever. You look great. I was like, fuck that dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> okay, so you are a life coach. I am a life coach, a certified life coach with um, a business called A-Plan Coaching. Awesome. I met you uh, through one of my clients who is just a spectacular human being. Yes. I'm just saying that so he'll keep keep buying training, but, uh, <laughs> but he is, he's yeah. an incredible friend and he's also the founder of this company, the yes. A-Plan Coaching. So, and, uh, he does escape rooms. He works with Disney. He's got Director, a whole, yeah, just amazing a, dad. Yeah. Just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck, fuck him too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we are doing, you're our first expert on our show. Hey. We're doing an expert. Uh, we're doing two episodes a week. Now, uh, one with an expert and one with a comedian who is a disaster, always. Uh, Fair. <laughs> that's what Let me just are. go ahead and clarify, though. Just being a life coach doesn't make you an expert at life. <laughs> Warning to everyone. I know, honestly, because <laughs> I thought about that because uh, someone, uh, I used to bartend at PhD. Okay. And that's a rooftop in, for all non-New Yorkers, that's a rooftop bar in a mo the most beautiful part of the city. And... Uh, Life coaches, I'm doing air quotes, would come <laughs> up when we were first setting up and they would in, like Instagram life coaches yep. and they'd come and take a video and be like, hey, this is my penthouse suite. And I was like, actually, you came yeah. up on the elevator. I'm going to go ahead and just say right now, there are a lot of people out there in all realms, you being a fitness coach, people use the word coach really freely. You want to look for a certified coach, someone who actually went through school and training <laughs> and knows what they're doing because there are a lot, especially in social media world, of people claiming hey, I'll charge you this much because I totally am a this and yet. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I would, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it was always interesting. I'm like, you're like the bottom half of your outfit is real bad. And, uh, <laughs> and you're, uh, you paid a $12 drink to get up here just yeah. like everybody else. So yeah, I was always very skeptical of that. And, you know, a lot of people as a fitness coach, I always, uh, they'll tell me about their lives and it's a very vulnerable relationship between them because they're like sweating and crying, yeah. a lot of crying. And, uh, and then they're like, oh, you should, you should be a coach. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm a disaster in my own life. You know, like I, I, uh, I've been married and divorced so many times and I've gone from being a gajillionaire to like. I'm living in a room, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting there is you're, you're, you're imposing self-judgment, right? I mean, you don't yeah, have to be do. leading a perfect quote unquote, that's my air quotes, some fictionalized, perfect optics kind of life mm -hmm. in order to be of service to others. Because coaching, as you know, like even in fitness coaching, you're pushing people, you're creatively pushing them to new ways of challenging themselves and getting what they ultimately want. It has nothing to do about you inserting yourself into the mix, but you've gone through training and you know the body. And for instance, I know all kinds of tools to help someone break down barriers that they are self-imposed or unaware of that gets them closer to the kind of life they want. So it doesn't mean about... Oh, well, hey, Colin Baja is divorced. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I it doesn't doing. mean that, like, 
Um, like you were a failure. It's not exactly. That you're, yeah. That's such bullshit. I love that we can swear on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a fabricated Only bullshit idea you of can. perfection. <laughs> yes. And everyone's journey as a human is tough enough, but it doesn't mean that you can't be of service and hold the space for others. Well, I also feel like people like to. I think it's we get into a pattern of being very hard on ourselves by calling ourselves a failure. That's just another way to bring ourselves down and be less than what we can be. Absolutely. Uh, more than ever. And everyone knows this, but then living it and being more aware of it, you're always your own worst enemy. That's Even worst. the most confident people, self-aware people, you are always your own worst enemy because you are usually, whether it be from societal stuff or the way you were upbringing or just your own ideas of perfection and desire, ambition, whatever it is, you get very cruel to yourself when something goes wrong. Even if it's a short-lived moment, we are always our own worst enemies. And that's never helpful. Never. And it's, I mean, it's just a barrier. It's, an, it's a self-imposed barrier. Okay, so let's talk about you first. Uh, so you're divorced. <laughs> I am divorced as of last year. It's been a rough past year okay um, to say the least but also uh, a really powerful one let's talk about your relationship so you met yeah so we met through one of my best friends um uh i'm gay and uh <laughs> so this man that i'm talking about uh we met through one of my best friends and it was immediate like chemical oh my god excitement i have to get to know this guy mm -hmm. <clears throat> the world has a very sick sense of humor though because Upon finally meeting him, after being told about him for months and blah, 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 and vice versa, out of all 9 million people in New York City, he had started dating my ex from college. Oh, no. So I was like, fuck you, universe. That's a cruel <laughs> joke. Like, bye. No, thank you. <laughs> Fast forward after their, I don't know, four-month relationship, four months after they broke up or something like that, we ran into each other on the street, at bookstores, at a yoga studio, and so finally... Like multiple Multiple times. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. Uh, and I asked him out. He said no at first. <laughs> and he did? then I asked again and we had a first date and it was there for and then we were together for uh, almost six and a half years. Okay. And married for just over two. Did you ask him or did he ask you? To marry? Yes. Well, we had talked about it, we knew it was good, but yes, I asked him. Okay. Was it did you have the public engagement? I you, did. Did you bring in like private, a videographer? I did not do the videographer. <laughs> I did no flash mob, anything like that. To each their own. Like, hey, I love that for certain people. Um, I did a mixture. So we were already going. I'm from northern Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, and in Where? the summer. Do you know northern Michigan? Yeah, I'm from Mishpeming. Oh, I'm from Traverse City. Oh, my God. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm from Traverse City, which, as you know, in the summer. I love the Acme Ice Road, best spot ever. Oh, my God. In the summer, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Sand dunes. It looks like a Caribbean. It's, it's epic. So I loved his, I love still his entire family. And we had a family trip to Michigan in the summer. And I had them in on it in the sense that I was going to propose to him there mm -hmm. in private, obviously, just a moment, him, he and I. Um, but then what I did is I also had my family surprise be there as well so that both families were waiting. We went and did a hike. I proposed to him. What was going to happen it, if he said no? Did you prep we the We had already designed rings. He had been, oh, 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 he'd been okay, getting so. upset with me that I hadn't asked yet. <laughs> like <laughs> He had told my mom the day before, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> So then we went on this beautiful hike overlooking Lake Michigan. I proposed. We did the cry, the fun, all the stuff. And then we drove back to the house and both families were there waiting with like 
celebratory champagne and we did a barbecue out back and wave runners and and it was really a beautiful oh i grew up on a lake with wave yeah. runners uh mark gerber he's here hello Hi, everyone we mentioned, <laughs> we mentioned that you were on your way okay at the good beginning. so i don't have to be sneaky about it. we're no, such no, no. new yorkers all in black i know <laughs> i only you know I'm, I'm living outside the city for the summer and i have a draw with just black t-shirts for when i come back to the city yeah <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was at work and art. My gym is closing, so I don't have a job in a little bit. And my boss, uh, I don't. He goes, "Where's your uniform shirt?" And I was like, "Oh, I was gonna wear it, but I just didn't want to." <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the no. power of choice. And my other boss was like, "What am I gonna write her up?" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so you you propose. We just got started. Uh, he j- he's been divorced as well. Colin I just Bottle. got divorced last yes. year. Oh, I'm sorry yes. to hear that. But oh, hey, it's okay. Like Different. Like <laughs> you've rebound. Wait, the proposal no, you're no, referring no, to we're is going to the. That was to the, the X. Yes. That was to the X. Yeah. Okay, yes, good. Yes, yes. See, this is what happens when you come in five minutes late. A little late. late. Okay, okay, it's all right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, you propose. You beautiful have the big party. Wow. It was really special. It was really, really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're both very close with our families. So it was really nice to have basically a surprise engagement party right there on the spot. Relaxed, easygoing barbecue backyard. Where was, was it? In, in Michigan. Michigan. Where I'm from, Traverse City. Very nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then uh, you're into the relationship. You get married. How much longer after the proposal? Uh, we got married in January of 2016. 2016. Yeah. And we got engaged in 14. So it. Um, two years later. You weren't married that long. We were married just over two years. Okay. How long were you together before the engagement? You may have. We were together total six and a half. Okay. And we were married for just over two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then. Um, you're married, bliss. Did you have a small wedding, big wedding? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say marriage is not always bliss. I mean, I relationships are work. True. This is, I know this is the happily never after and all that kind of stuff, but like <laughs> relationships, no matter if you're married or not, require work. So much work. And most of it is really worth it and so much fun. And it's a complicated thing because you chose a person to have a nucleus. Basically, you're creating your world's nucleus that's going to push you to grow. So... My ex was exactly that. He he pushed me in a lot of ways that were incredibly beneficial and incredibly challenging. And yet we had, um, you know, some shit go down. But uh, Such as what? Uh, well, okay. So <laughs> cheats, first okay. off, which is so typical. But I... So you guys were, you had a monogamous relationship. Well, that's the ostensibly. issue. This is what's so interesting. Oh my gosh, I hope his family <laughs> never like really hears this. <laughs> um, so we had uh, a monogamous relationship for years and years. And then we were never opposed to uh, playing with others. And we eventually kind of three different times tried opening in different ways, making our own rules. It's, you know, mm-hmm. 2000, whatever, at 17 at this point. It's exciting to create your own rules of what works for you. Right. So we tried it once. We set some rules. He violated it. I was kind of hurt. So then we took a pause, went back to monogamy for a little bit, tried it again. And at this point, we were basically... Who was opening up the dialogue about trying it it again? It was both. He pushed for it more, but I've never been opposed to it. So I just require communication. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Let's set the boundaries, if there are going to be any, about safety. Can you give us some examples of your boundaries? Yeah. The initial ones, the initial rules and boundaries that you had set up that he violated. Well, okay. So the first time we tried with the initial rule was like nobody at the house (laughs) at our shared space. That's not obvious for a lot of people. A lot of people don't care about that. Everyone gets to choose your own adventure. That was our rule. Um, also don't abuse it. So like if I'm traveling, which I, I do a lot for work or if you were gone, okay, like great. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But if we're home together, if we're in the city together, let's try and prioritize that because this is our nucleus. We need to like make sure we're always nurturing this. Right. Um, And I was traveling and basically like the day I was leaving, he had already scheduled someone for like an hour after I was heading to the airport. And that just felt like a, whoa, you can't wait for me to get out of here kind of thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. he, he almost felt felt like he was preoccupied with that. Exactly. Yeah. It felt like more of a, a, a zeroed in focus as opposed to even enjoying being together. Right. That you were already that step away from trying to dissociate and uh, have something else. Mm-hmm. Did he tell you that or did you find that out? I found out too. Oh, That's what that makes it even The lack worse. of communication was always kind of one of the key issues because if we're going to open at all, and right. even if you're going to be in a relationship, you have to be able to communicate right. clearly. So that's one of the ways I pushed him, I think, is different kind of communication levels. Um, so that was the first violation. It but almost sounds like he was, it, he was like cheat, uh, seeking out the cheating excitement, the excitement of cheating within the confines of an, of a, of of a, an open, of an open relationship. relationship. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, which I think is, uh, I have an understanding around like human nature, right? Like right. everyone loves a bad boy. Everyone loves that thrill of like what you're not supposed to do, et cetera. Yeah. And actually, I could handle a cheat. People are flawed. Everyone's a bag of dicks. Everyone's amazing. Everyone is flawed. Everyone, I can handle mm-hmm. a cheat or two. That wasn't a cheat. That was just really piss poor kind of actions yeah. on his end. So we communicated around it and then we tried again. By the time we actually got broke up, uh, we were in an open relationship and there was no need for the deception. That's what ended it is because there was five instances that I kept asking What's going on? You're even more distant than you normally are. What's the blah, 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 pushing for communication? Mm-hmm. Then I had to check his phone because I knew intuitively something was wrong. Checked it. There were five instances uh, over a course of four months, some of which were like complete violations of deception, like leaving to walk our dog while I'm home with him to go hook up with someone around the corner in their lobby. Like really cruel and, yeah. in my opinion, cowardly actions. Now... That is one thing, right? I was actually he still blind? Uh, was he a blind man? Did he not see? <laughs> He's home? a. Uh, thank uh, you. Stunning for, you are. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mom and dad's genes mixed, and I, I unfortunately have some sort of so shell. Hot. <laughs> thank you. He is also an exceptionally hot man, okay. and he is um, a, a very dynamic, charismatic, uh, beautiful soul. Maybe it's the universe. Like, also split this up. Uh, it's not fair. Um, you, maybe. Maybe hot people shouldn't be together. Here's the thing. <laughs> If I've learned anything from this, it's you don't know jack shit. Anybody, everybody, relationships, especially, you're combining two incredibly different human beings or similar, it doesn't matter, but you are choosing to grow together for the rest of your life, whatever that means for you. So you don't know what next week's going to look like, three years from now, et cetera. You have to check in day to day. You have to be willing to let that individual grow and be themselves in whatever ways that changes. Because think about how different you are from last year as an individual. Mm -hmm. So as a couple, you have to protect that individuality, but also make sure you're choosing to grow as a a unit. And I think that he, um, this is just my interpretation, but I think it's very accurate. He got very freaked out by my levels of intimacy I definitely am a very forthcoming, intimate, thrive on connection and powerful human being. And I think that he um, just really was was seeking some kind of self-destructive behavior that is more habitual for him. Yeah, self-sabotaging happiness because I don't know if he still believes this, but I know that he comes from a background of believing that he's not deserving of that happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's uh, a lot of that in 
all on all of Humans. us. Yes. This is what a plan actually coaches a ton around. Basically, it doesn't matter if you're a corporation, if you're an individual, we're always coaching individuals, whether it be relationships or not, because you are, we talked about earlier, your own self-sabotage, right? You are mm-hmm. constantly, usually your own worst enemy and creating habitual behavior that you might not even be aware of that leads to the same results. And so how do you like, how do you shift that? How do you think out of the box? How do you actually get what you're after, <laughs> whether it be in, in professional worlds, up. relationships, whatever it is, without blowing things up and hurting yourself along the way by being self-flatulation and, and cruel and you have to be your own best cheerleader in this Before stuff. we started recording, we were talking about my pattern of relationships and then uh, I was saying that I always go after the same. They don't look the same, but they are the same person where they just try to like take out the light of like all the all my energy and they try to keep it for themselves and and then I become this like person and uh and then George just recently called me out on Monday about how he's like yeah when we get in a fight you leave like you like just leave like physically leave like in uh and I was like yeah that's, that's not always a bad strategy if you need some time to you know if, if you, you need, need time to cool off yeah, before you communicate exactly because sometimes when you communicate when in, in the midst of a you know no, dispute you go, can it's over and yeah. then I leave. but also yeah it sounds like you're you're going <laughs> you know, like, like I don't want to deal with this I'm out yeah peace Done. if you don't want to do it my way then later right uh and then I and then I communicate with him and so uh Monday we were not getting along very well and we weren't communicating very well and I was like fine I'm just gonna go home and he goes yep that's what you do and I was like oh okay what well that's kind of a snide response I mean well he was having a did you wake him up at 3 a.m. to have the fight she likes to she likes to but you know I don't think that's a snide remark I think that's throwing it back in your face of of course you would you would rather leave than sit down and work this out. I guess, but it's not the best way to communicate that. You know, I guess it would be a little nicer well, if he said, well, maybe we should just talk about I it. Right, but you're in the middle of a fight, right? It's the way, the, yeah. <laughs> Aren't yeah. you like, yeah, I mean, fights are emotional, yeah. right? meaning that you're not necessarily stopping and breathing, which no, no. To, to think about how to communicate brilliantly. If you're in the middle of an actual fight. Yeah. If you're in the middle of an argument, sure, you can be communicative in a, in a strong but yeah. like aware way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fights are emotionally driven. Right. And usually, especially if they happen at 3 a.m., Jesus, <laughs> like know. you're not fully. It's when I worked out all my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. There could have been way worse things to say than, of course you would. You would leave right now. She yeah. lets him fall asleep and then she. Tap him on the shoulder. Tap him on the shoulder like, in the middle of the night to have hey, these hey, fights. Uh, are you awake? Yeah. That's got to be fun. Coming out of like some Indiana Jones dream yeah. or something like that. Yeah. He usually like gets pretty argumentative at first and then he sits up and he calms. He's like, okay, sit down. Let's talk about <laughs> Let's this. Let's do so this. Like, yeah. So, so did your, was your divorce ultimately, um, you know, did you guys ultimately both want to divorce by the time you did it or? No, that no. was the next layer of it. Um, I actually uh, kicked him out of the house for what I thought would be a weekend. And then I thought we would start kind of plowing through this stuff because I chose someone for life, right? Mm-hmm. This is hurtful, but like you take ownership of it. You change your shit. We're going to like work on this. Um, he chose to make that weekend seven weeks and we only met at like couples therapy and like little things here and there. And uh, eventually towards the end of that seven weeks, I kept being like, what are we doing? Why is there so much resistance for you to just really like take ownership of why this behavior is not helpful and we cannot have it moving forward. Now here's the big clock of it. Like life coach, right? Going through this, blah, blah. Not only was I receiving coaching, but also coaching myself around, wait, I am not some 
sole victim here, right? Mm -hmm. I'm also a contributor in this. So in what ways? And yet also there's truth to being victimized because I did not ask or set up or ever imply that deception and that kind of stuff is okay. So taking ownership of my part of it too, Mm -hmm. of uh, how did I push him away? How did I let it get to here? And one of the big things for me was not understanding boundaries. Um, And that's epic for any human, right? But that's one of the things also, again, in coaching comes up more than ever of you need to push back with boundaries. And this gentleman who was absolutely amazing and charismatic and all these kind of things, but got away with murder, still does with everything in his life. I was pushing back in a way that he's never had before of like, no, this is a clear boundary and it will never happen again Mm -hmm. or else you lose me. And that freaked him out too much. And he's actually the one that at the end of those seven weeks was like, and this was, oh God, this was the gut punch. Um, He sat me down and said he wanted a divorce and he phrased it in all this like bullshit way. And then I said, no, take ownership of this. If you are fully aware of what you're doing right now and what you're ending, say I statements, I'm unhappy. I want the divorce. I, et cetera. Mm -hmm. He looked me dead in the eyes and said that. And then added a dagger at the end that just really hurt up saying, I'm no longer in love with you Mm. and and I haven't been. So that was the real kicker too, because for me it was like, Oh, you, like I was saying, you know, you have to, you have to let the person grow as an individual, but you always grow as a unit. He was living this like secret inner life, completely isolated from me. Right. And not communicating anything around, Oh, I feel like I'm drifting away or I need something else or this and that. And how we have just talked about this with all my previous relationships where I was doing the same thing where I was accommodating. It was like on paper, we had a perfect yeah. marriage, but I had this full inner life of things that I wanted to accomplish and who I was that I wasn't sharing with the other person. And I never was in love with them because it wasn't me that I was in the relationship. Yeah. It was crazy. How long was it from your wedding day until that day that you guys, uh, you know, that I found everything out or, or that or he that told you, me? Yeah. That he told you he was no longer. Uh, January 16, 2016 was the wedding and May 15, 2018 was when he so stabbed a little under two years. <laughs> yeah. So did he give you any time frame as to like when he started falling out of love? No. Nope. And that was the thing too. I mean, um, are you pretty sure that at your wedding day that he was in love with you? Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, going through any sort of huge trans- transition in your life, mm-hmm. um, especially one as emotionally hurtful and charged as this, you start to question all kinds of right. things. That's what I'm, that's what but I, yeah. you're not going to actually get those answers. Right. You're unless, really not. Unless you ask. And even and if he, you do, does it help? Yeah, I was going to say. It's actually going to just be the same pain. So then what you have is the power of choice. I can choose to do what's best for me, which is make sure that I was in therapy every week, making sure I had my close people around me, making sure that I'm continuously still being of service and not keeping all the focus on me. Right, that's important. And then the power of choice of happiness. I am not willing to let this man's actions and cowardice take me down in the sense of I'm going to feel all my feelings. And believe me, I, I think everyone needs to. You need to allow that space for each feeling to be honored. But then you get to and this is coaching again, but like you get to creatively think of ways to keep yourself active of service. I have a dog that I was responsible for. So it kept me from being self-destructive because I was responsible for a, a uh, creature's life. life yeah. um, and then you get to, I really do believe this. You get to choose to be a victim or a victor. 
and I was not willing to let this man's actions make me a victim of life. So after you got divorced, did you have a tough time coaching yourself out of it? Because sometimes it's hard when you're spiraling to really see what is the best solution for you. Sure, but any coach out there, and Mm -hmm. A-Plan supports this entirely, should be also coached themselves. Meaning that like, I'm. uh, it was the best, and it is still to this day, the best career I could have ever found for myself. Because being of service to someone... And keeping the focus on them, helping them, being Mm -hmm. of service to help create whatever lives and choices they want is what's so great. Because then it, like I said, kept all the attention off of me. Can we talk a little about coaching? Absolutely. Because I'm Um, very curious about it. So I'm a psychologist. Yeah. uh, And I'd like to know a little bit more about the distinction between psychotherapy, what psychologists do and what a coaching consultant does. Well, I'd be interested to hear if you disagree with this because this is how I kind of frame it for like a quick on the street or even an intro call because people ask this first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a therapy approach and a coach approach? I am uh, such a fan of therapy. Been in it my whole life. Love it. Family therapy, relationship, all of it. Therapy for me... um, Wait, because you grew up in a... A home Fractured with your, home. Yes, your parents were <laughs> happily married. No, my parents were never happily married, but they were married for thirty-five years okay. and got divorced after thirty-five. Yeah. Um, very complicated relationship between those two. Never good examples of uh, love and/or uh, communication. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is also why, at a very young age, I remember thinking and choosing. Oh, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be like her. I get to. I get to create what kind of person I am, and I get to create what kind of way I want to lead and mm-hmm. I lead with love like I they they are both different examples of <laughs> stuff um, <laughs> but I have three older sisters okay and we're still a close family but just very complicated as everyone is so <clears throat> what I say is the distinction between therapy coaching and consulting basically therapy could be and often is never-ending right therapy is um, going into a lot of historical wounds or not even wounds but going into a lot of history and scratching away at things to understand them better so that you have a better understanding of your foundation, what brought you to this point. Consulting is someone coming in and going, do steps A, B, C, and D. You know, I'm the expert, do these successes around the corner. Listen, nobody's an expert at your life Mm -hmm. except you, and even you, because you're human, it's a journey. Coaching is that middle ground where we have to understand the past. We do, we have to understand some of it, some of that comes up. But it's all about action-oriented. It's all about creating action plans week to week and keeping your awareness levels up so that you can create new habits, new choices. And with the combination of therapy or just on itself, if you've ever had therapy or whatever works for you best, creates new landmarks for yourself, creates new behaviors, creates new results. So I agree with you with, with, with the caveat that the t- type of therapy that you were referring to in your description of therapy is more psychoanalysis, analytic right. therapy. There's varieties of I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist, yeah. which is a little bit more aligned to the setting goals and accountability. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I actually, before I became a cognitive behavioral therapist, I was in cognitive behavioral therapy and I got dumped by my cognitive behavioral therapist because <laughs> I wasn't doing the work each week. Right. So, you know, you, ha- you had, I had homework and I had goals to do. Well, to, that's beautiful. That's very related to coaching. And, and we have partnerships with therapists we have, we have partnerships in the sense of when it serves the client best to have both or actually coaching is not what they need, but it does, it's very much aligned with that in the sense of you have a built in accountability buddy. You actually actually have action-oriented set goals each week. You have someone checking in on you. 
And what I love, and I think you'd probably love this, is A Plan, our company, also is kind of blending the intimacy of this work with the surge of technology. So like we have an app that instead of going onto Instagram and wasting five minutes on the train, you go and you log your wins for the day. You log your progress on a certain goal. You share an article with your coach. You get feedback. Like there's constant communication in that way of accountability. What if you have someone that has like an addictive personality where they become addicted to those wins? They become addicted to like, is that, do you have ways to kind of navigate through those unhealthy patterns? Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, raising their awareness around it. Do mm-hmm. they see it as unhealthy? Are they even aware that they're doing it? Why are they doing it? What benefits are they getting from it? What are the repercussions of it? Um, how is that best serving them? Um, what do they actually want? Are they doing it because that's fueled by somebody else telling them they should? Mm-hmm. Um, is that just habitual nature? Because, like we talked about earlier, uh, being Superman mode, just going, 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 feels like the right, quote-unquote, right thing to be doing. Let's that's talk all about I've ever that known. a little bit more. We talked before about Tony Robbins' landmark yeah. and uh, how I went through Tony Robbins and now I can't shut off and I can't slow down at all and be happy in a moment. Uh, and uh, I think that's another thing that coaching can kind of make you be more aware of instead of going 100% in a certain self-help way or 100% in a different help way self-help way which there's great things about every every type of self-care yes i think agreed. and self-improvement and there's brilliant things in every form of it landmark tony robbins coaching therapy meditation um whatever it is for you that you find that's helping you get closer to the kind of person you want to be mm-hmm. and feel you are and what life you want to lead mm-hmm. great um, are, you, is, are you ever in the experience where you're coaching someone and you think to yourself or you, or you say to them explicitly, like, you know, I, I think that you would be better served by therapy or that you, I think you should yes. also also be in therapy simultaneously? Yes. I yeah. mean, that's a very tricky thing to deliver to someone, correct? Right. Yeah, of course. You, you have to make sure that you're aware, first off, of if they're open to it. Um, you have to be prepared to give backup information of why you think they might benefit from that. And then you need to understand that client well enough to deliver it in a very purposeful and beautiful way that they can receive it. Right. People get de- defensive very quickly. I, I think everyone under the sun should be in some form of self-help, whether it be an acting class, truly, because of the amount of self-discovery you have to do there. Whether it's a self-help app, get A-Plan even if you're not one of our clients, get the A-Plan app, use it. Mm-hmm. Um, cognitive therapy, uh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. because it is a really remarkable, beautiful, complex, challenging thing to be a human. (laughs) And if you value personal growth, you're only going to get benefits out of it. But absolutely, I have in the past suggested um, and invited someone to look at whether or not they are going to get most out of coaching or if they'll actually get the most for this time in their life through therapy. Have you coached people that you thought were possibly mentally ill? Um. I have not personally had one that was in a scary way, like, oh, I think you might actually need... Borderline. Or uh, some yeah, I have not yet. Yeah. Um, I have experience with borderline, but uh, not in a coaching, coaching. Uh, agreement. Yeah. I mean, a manic uh, would be a great client. They get so much done. <laughs> well, <laughs> at times, at times. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, this is a 100,000% confidential, just like any sort of therapy agreement, mm-hmm. right? right? So you have to, first off, invite the client to see that for themselves and then again that choice of whether or not they're open to 
What happens? So Molly, real estate agent, calls oh. you up and says, "Why is that bad I that I just thought the drug?" I was like, "You're going to go into the drugs <laughs> now all of a sudden." <laughs> real estate agent on Molly. Don't take Molly at a plan. <laughs> oh, not a good client. Then. Uh, <laughs> no, the coaches don't. I mean, hey. <laughs> how do I work in that into every Saturday? Uh, anyway, no. So she she's she calls you up and she's like, "Hey, I'm interested in coaching. What's what do you guys do?" Okay, so A-Plan, we have a bunch of ways that that happens. People mm-hmm. through the website or through a personal recommendation or a company or whatever. What we do is we first do an intro call with them. Our concierge calls them and they, I invite them to look through the website to look at all the coaches because we have um, a variety of coaches. And with two-minute videos and longer 10-minute videos that showcase who we are, like how we coach, what our backgrounds are, you get kind of an energetic vibe because that's really important. It's a relationship. You're getting in bed with these people in a certain way. You want to make sure that you're comfortable and feel free to get pushed in that way. Mm-hmm. And then the concierge helps you with that. And then basically you can set up an intro call. Make sure that, you know, a quick brief call with that coach that you feel like it's the right click. Then when you sign on board and say, yep, this is the coach I want, our concierge sets you up with our technology, the app, our dashboard website where all the coaches, are, uh, all the information is kept and you have a private login, all this kind of stuff. And then you get launch exercises. So you get two weeks to do these launch exercises, which really give us like a huge jumping off point of where to start from Mm -hmm. and understand a bit of your background and what you're specifically after. Because we ask that you commit for six months at least, because that's what we've learned is not only just through April, but in general, that's how long it takes to really create long lasting, sustainable change. Mm -hmm. We don't want to just shoot you out of a cannon with all these new things at three months and have you not be able to actually sustain it. Mm -hmm. So six month commitment and we do those launch exercises for two weeks. Then you come back, you have an hour call with your coach. You're going through those launch exercises. Again, detailing the coaching agreements, which is basically confidentiality, what to expect from me, what we're going to, you know, what I expect from you as a client. And then you jump on board and it's weekly calls. It's via our zoom technology, but through our, our um, app and dashboard. And then you have weekly unlimited access to your coach through the app, emails, text, whatever it is. And then you just week to week. After I left Tony, the, our first, my first seminar, uh, the, in Fiji, I was also hooked up with a life coach and he just happened to live 45 minutes away from me. And we ended up fucking for a year. So there, have you ever had that situation? Have you ever had Mara as a client? (laughs) (laughs) That's what happened. Yeah, what, um, are, what are the ethics uh, around that? Do you guys yeah. have have like strict ethical guidelines? Or absolutely, is, yeah. yeah, absolutely. N- no fucking your clients. I mean, well, that Listen just up, is. <laughs> <laughs> um, first and foremost, I'm amazed that that coach did that. Um, second, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Ethical guidelines, company policies. Every coach is Do not only certified, but then like filtered through and made specifically aware that if you're joining this brand, this is the kind of caliber of what not only personal ethics, but professional ethics are going to be abided by. Um, I mean, he had a lot of roommates. Mara, I think Mara was house. asking if you've been ever been pursued yeah, by a client. Have you ever been pursued? I have not. I mean, I, um, again, at this sound, I hate talking about it, but I, the, the shell that I've have been lucky enough to receive from mom and dad's genes, right? Sometimes, <laughs> um, sometimes I've had the moment where someone feels uncomfortable, uh, to coach with me once that we actually get on, um, the video platform mm-hmm. because they 
didn't know what I looked like. They didn't do the They didn't whole, know you were George, George Michael on his prime. <laughs> <laughs> Today with the dangly yeah, hair. Yeah, that, that definitely did. And the hair, yeah. Um, yeah. He was hot in his prime. I mean, he's good. Yeah, um, he's good. Yeah. I've had that happen before where they felt uncomfortable, which, first off, I don't want to coach you if that's how you feel because you need to be able to be as free as possible and as vulnerable as possible. Also, that might be something that they need to talk to their therapist about being Or that so could be insecure. something they talk with the next coach about. Like, oh, that, that was a trigger for me yeah. because it was this. How do you exist in a world where you can't communicate with someone that's extremely attractive you just like that is a obstacle well attraction attraction and attractive are are, um, distinct right but also think about that everyday people are like that people don't hit on someone that they're attracted to because they they get nervous or it's once again those Mm self-imposed limitations self-imposed limitations of oh that person is going to reject me that's a historical assumption that they're bringing into their future and already projecting that that's going to happen so they get diffused and they don't Mm -hmm. that's something we would coach around or I mean, the interpretation of um, that person being too much, like I could never, that's an internal voice that holds you back saying, whether it be at the deep root of it, I'm not lovable, I'm not worthy, whatever it is. Wow. Okay. So the, how often does that pop up in your day-to-day life? Those are things you're going to raise your awareness around with A-Plan Coaching in the sense of clocking, how often you have a interpretation that holds you back, an assumption, uh, a deep inner voice, something that is actually there protecting you from being proactive, powerful, your actual risky, amazing self. Mm -hmm. How often do you encounter clients who just aren't doing the work? Because, you know, as a cognitive behavioral therapist, you know, you you do encounter that people who come back each week and they haven't done the work that they were supposed to do in that that previous week. I was actually fired from a therapy. I was fired from cognitive (laughs) behavioral therapy. I I wasn't, I had a a teacher that held me a strict, you know, uh, a psychologist who held me to very strict standards where I had to do the homework and she gave me several weeks where I, and I, I didn't want to lie to her because what benefit is that going to do for me mm-hmm. to come back and say I did the work why yeah. didn't you do the work that's exactly I, what I would ask the client yeah I think I think I just wasn't ready to be I think I knew that I should be in therapy but I wasn't actually ready to be in therapy at the time then um, why did you think you should be in therapy well because I knew I had these I had these problems I had these issues that I had to work on but um, as much as I was aware that problems existed. I wasn't really at the time. I I think I was in a, a, an unhealthy relationship. Um, I think I had some behavioral addictions. Uh, I was just, you know, acting in in an unhealthy way and, and, um, I wasn't ready to change it yet. Even though I knew the problems existed, I wasn't ready to change it yet. Mark was my life coach. No, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm assuming you find this a lot as well. Like if you're not, if you're not coming to this within, with, power of choice. I always say that because I really believe in that so much. If you're choosing therapy, if you're choosing coaching, if you're choosing some sort of personal growth option for yourself, you're going to be pushed, right? You're going to be pushed past vulnerabilities and levels of comfort and stuff. But if you're not willing to show up for yourself, how do you expect anybody else to show up for you? So if you're not ready yet... Do you encounter that? Yeah. Yeah. But we ask about it. Yeah. The first thing I would ask a client is, well, what held you back this week? Right. Why do you think that happened that way? And then as they guide me and I understand more and more... It's about showing up for yourself. If you can't commit half hour of homework a week, an hour, whatever it so is. So it's also a challenge for you because it's not linear. You know, you have to find different motivational tactics, right? Absolutely. You learn, uh, there's a whole toolbox, right? And mm-hmm. then you just learn client by client. Some like to be pushed a little bit more. Some like to be not coddled. Nobody's there to be coddled, but some people need a, a different approach and, mm-hmm. a, and a soft hand. Some people ask, you never actually insert yourself into a coaching agreement until someone, a client asks specifically, well, how did you do that? You know, they're asking for a point of reference from your personal life or story. 
that rarely comes up if they if that helps them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone is not showing up for themselves, we're going to try and understand why and what's holding them back. And if they truly want to, or like you, do they need to actually go away for a few months and, I don't know, run away, do whatever, feel safe in a different way before they know that they're actually ready to commit that time to change. So because it's a divorce breakup podcast, whether it's a, I think if you break up from a job or a family member or like, I mean, ultimately a relationship is what we talk about here, but uh, what is like a good first step? Like your husband tells you this awful, these awful things that Mm -hmm. are just killer. Next step, next breath. What do you do for yourself? What did I do or what would I... Uh, how would you coach it? How would you coach it for you and how would you coach it well, for someone else? Because everyone's relationship is different, right? Okay. People would need different things. Mm-hmm. So it would be a lot of questions around what they're feeling, what's coming up for them, what they believe. What did you just get thrown at you and what do you actually believe is true and what do you are you able to recognize as their own... Like perception Defensive. Of, mm-hmm. You know, people say really nasty things. Um Right, you can. Some people are jilted. You know, you're, yeah. you're you don't see it coming at all, yeah. and then all of a sudden, this person tells you, "I'm leaving you for someone else," or, yeah. and you you know you've missed maybe you've missed some signs, or maybe there really weren't very many, and all of a sudden, it's like everything's been taken away. Yeah, and then there's you know it sounds like yours was a bit more gradual, where you uh, no, it kind of hit me. It, did. it hit me hard. There the, were well, other complications, he, but when I found his phone and it, found all that, and then he continued to lie, I I still did, never expected in a million years that he was actually going to sit me down and say. I've been out of love with you secretly mm-hmm. and um, that I want a divorce. I never actually saw that being the reality. How did he feel about you going through his phone? <clears throat> well, <laughs> it was very necessary only because right. I tried for weeks, if not months, to actually get him to communicate with me. Right. Um, Dan Savage says you're, you're post hoc uh, justified if you find the... Like, you shouldn't ever go through someone's phone, but he says... I agree. If you go through it and you find... A laundry list Something of, incriminating, yeah. then you're kind of sort of justified in it. I mean, it's not ideal, right? It's not ideal behavior. I didn't want to do it. Right. But when you know Everybody's something done is it, being I think. kept from you and you know there's something deeper there yeah. and you suspect. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... You You should choose to trust the person you're with, right? I so believe that... So tr- trust is a choice? Well, I think trust is something you inevitably build upon. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think also, again, you're an individual. You're complicated. You're your own ways. I'm an individual. We're joining forces... But I'm not going to invade your, your individuality in the sense of that's why I think we're a good partnership. That's why I chose you because mm-hmm. you as an individual, I want to support. I want to have you keep growing. I want you to constantly still be you. But when I feel like you're not showing up to that middle ground, when we're not meeting halfway, when you're obviously like you're obviously Which your ex something. wasn't doing even during those seven weeks of mm. couples therapy. So listen, I've learned a lot about myself in this uh-huh. process as well. And things that I, because love is blinding. Love is that interesting thing that no matter how evolved you are, like you can fall into old traps. Uh, my ex-husband was a dissociative person. He refueled his battery by dissociating. He would need to come in the, like this was one of our early fights. Not even a fight, just a, ooh, okay, learning curve. Uh, he would walk in the house. I'd want to give him a hug and kiss and say, hey, mm-hmm. he needs and needed um, to dissociate. Like, come home, go pee, throw his bag down, have about 10 minutes of just, like, changing his brain a bit into, like, 
Yeah, I do the same thing. I but he doesn't want to be touched, seen, any of it. You so know you guys mean? had a different style. A different style. So yeah. I just had to learn that and go, oh, okay, great. I can guard that for you. Mm-hmm. It's not a personal offense. Got it. As long as you tell me that, then we're good. Yeah. I'm not going to take it into like interpret it as some like personal. It's difficult off. though. I've I've been in relationships with, where like you know I'm a pretty affectionate person. Yeah. And uh, you I'm, know yeah, my love language is touch for sure. I'm with you. <laughs> what, what, yeah. Uh, and I've definitely dated uh, people who were less affectionate, and it is it 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 it, it, it can feel like a rejection. Oh, right. for sure. But again, yeah. talking about interpretations, right? I'm interpreting that as a as a rejection can, because yeah. there's a lack of communication around it. Yeah. Literally, I told him, I was like, if you walk past me in the kitchen and you just put your hand on my back, I'm going to receive so much more love or validation or just connection to you than I would ever if you said three lines of dialogue, whatever it is. Right. Like that to me is how I, I received more from you. But you sounds and like he, you had to decipher everything. Like he no, was, no, no. He, I would just confront it. But yes. I'm saying, like, it sounded like he, you were really good at communicating your needs, but he yes. may have not been as good. Yes. Yeah. I um, I hate to put any sort of person on a pedestal, blah, blah, this, that, that way. But yes, I think I was a better communicator, especially around emotional intelligence right. um, than he was. Um, so that required a lot of work. But, um, but yeah. I think it, yeah. I mean, as a, there's different, you know, patterns of how children interpret their parents' relationship. And my s- older sister is very much like your ex-husband, I think, very standoffish and very quiet and keeps to herself and dissociates. And uh, I am the the big love, big feels all the time. And uh, we, I feel like, it, from what it sounds like, my our parents had very similar relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's you took their relationship and you're like, I'm going to over-communicate and show that love because I see that that is what they're missing. Totally. Yes. So things that I've learned, I mean, uh, like I said, I've had coaches and mm-hmm. therapists my whole life. Uh, I saw an angry, uh, hostile mother mm-hmm. who you had to constantly walk on eggshells with and a dissociative, narcissistic, absent father. And I chose neither of those routes because I saw how unhelpful yeah. and unhealthy they were. And... They've both grown. There's like blah, 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 blah. But like they were never a good match. And yeah, you learn from those things, right? I learned that. And this kind of led to a, a chapter of my life being a big time accommodator because I would always overly communicate with someone and not state a boundary, even if, you know what I mean? Overly communicate, over empathize. Okay, well, like, let's talk Very about agreeable. that blah, blah, because I don't want to go to anger because mm-hmm. I don't see that as ever usually being a helpful thing in my childhood. But, I mean, anger is a great fucking emotion and you need to let it live. You need to let it be there. So going back to the full story of how to, like, what would you suggest? What is the steps after your husband tells you all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Feel your feelings. People try and like bury it down or not give themselves the proper time. You need to feel your feelings. And if that means protecting yourself with the, your chosen family and your people who can support you in the way and just hold the space for you, but you can't ignore what you're feeling. And feeling the feelings isn't just in that moment directly also because it's such a roller coaster. Yeah. It's like immediately I always feel fine. I'm like, I'm fine. I got this. And but then all of a sudden it's like, boom. Well, hits because me like fine a is basically putting it in the safe in the basement, right? Yes. I'm fine. I can, I can be superwoman still because that's whatever. That's what but I that's do. Buried. That's who I am. But again, that's walking out the door on your emotions. You put that in a safe in the basement to like deal with later because you're fine. You can handle it. And then it's going to bubble up and be a resentment, a toxin that eats you from the inside out. And then all of a sudden it will explode in some way. 
So feel your feelings. Let them all be there. Be valid. Don't apologize for it, mm-hmm. but surround yourself with the people who you know care and can hold the space for you. Be of service in some way. I mean, in the smallest of ways, taking the attention off of yourself as well. Every now and then, even mm-hmm. if it's a half hour, if it's an hour, helps you remind yourself that, guess what? You're not the center of the universe. And this experience is traumatic and it's awful and it always will be in some ways, but you're going to move on. But keeping all of the focus on yourself kind of becomes this real quick way to stay in a... Very victim uh, A mentality. victim mentality. Yeah. yeah. So Colin, it's, it's been a little over a year since your divorce. Yeah. How are you doing? And, um, you know, do you feel like... I mean, I, I know that process takes a while to yeah. fully get over, you know, something that devastating, but... We're going to go a little over time. Are you okay for okay. time? Okay, yeah. good. I just want to make sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about how, you, how you're doing since and, and how, how you're, you know, feeling. I'm good. Um, I'm really good. You know, uh, it is the hardest, most epic, hurtful thing that's ever happened in my life. And I've lived through a lot of craziness. That being said, the universe needed to teach me some things that I wasn't going to listen to unless the car drove over the cliff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a way to also view it as that. I can frame this whole divorce as being a victim, as being... Tragedy. A tragedy, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's certain elements of that that are true. Mm. But also reframing, another coaching tool, it's also gotten me way more in touch with unapologetically being me and learning new boundaries and how to implement them sooner and clock bullshit sooner with people, but also with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the universe giving me a, a really intense lesson that I, again, wouldn't have been willing to listen to because I was so committed to lifelong love, love blinders on kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you've learned now going forward for future relationships? Um, I, again, I know I keep repeating that, but boundaries, different kinds of boundaries for myself when I'm used to allowing you to say your piece and then hold that space and try and find immediately where I can find the middle ground with you and like, okay, yeah, like accommodating in some ways mm-hmm. or boundaries of, you know, my ex was um, an addictive personality. We should never have opened our relationship. That could, that was not going to be controllable. And I thought that I communicated around it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be the nag asshole husband yeah. that says no because of you. Like, that's not cool. But that was truth, right? Um, are, you, I, are you still open to polyamory in the future in terms of your future relationships? Yeah, sure. That's a different conversation in the sense that, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know it's if monogamy and, and I don't, I think as long as you wake up every day and choose to be together and actually choose to be good to one another. Treat each other with respect yeah, as choose, primary partners. Choose each other, be primary partners, but you can explore whatever that means to you. Absolutely. Are you out there? Do you, have you been boning since or what? Ooh, girl. Okay, so <laughs> this being said, about seven been years over ago, a year has been I boning since. apps weren't really, I no. didn't use apps back then. They yeah. weren't really like as prevalent. So joining Tinder for the first time and one other one, Hinge, what my friend got me on. Um, I've been on the apps since December or January. Okay. And I got to say, uh, yes, casual sex can be had whenever you want, right? But I don't... Speak for yourself, Colin. I, don't, <laughs> I, I know also, I know myself really well. I can, yes, satisfy that. But I thrive off of human connection. So even if it is a hookup for one night, like I like even a, f- even a little bit of intimacy. I like 
actually connecting with that person, even if we both know we're, this is, we're not going to see each other again. Mm-hmm. But in general, dating, putting myself back out there, because yes, I refuse to not be open to love. Love is my superpower. I am, I lead with that. I will be open to it. And yet, I also fully recognize that there are still certain bags to sift through from mm-hmm. this last year and uh, certain scars that I will probably have a bit more of a protective force around. And yet, I'm willing to do that work. But I got to say, the apps and people out there, I go back and forth between whether I believe there are men out there, <laughs> gay men, <laughs> who are emotionally intelligent and have the tools to use that intelligence and say what they mean and mean what they say. Or and I choose open to grow. Well, yeah, but I, I choose to believe there are, so I will, con- I will continuously put myself out there because I know that's also what I deserve. But It's tough here in New York City. It's tough in life. I think, I think it's harder here because there's so many options and there's like we're taught that, oh, if it doesn't work, just throw it away and get another one. You know, like we're especially here in New York City. In other places, there are not as many options. And so people kind of have a, I, are more willing to work. But, okay, not to like coach on this, mm-hmm. but like saying that basically just keeps that habit going, right? Yeah. I don't want to actually be with someone who has the mindset of, oh, click off, evasive. There's one around the corner. Because that person's not genuinely looking for quality love. human connection. Yes. And not just love. Love has to be, you know, you can fall in love, but you build it, right? So that is already kind of a more heightened awareness of around, hey, <laughs> if that's your MO, you're, have fun in New York. Have fun being, you know, that, that mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not going to mesh with me. Right, because you're kind of conflating uh, attraction and intimacy. If you're looking for intimacy, like Collins says, oh, yeah. it doesn't really matter how many people are around. If, if, it's, if you're just looking f- to have sex or to you know, find someone to hook up with, then yeah, the options are unlimited. Yeah. But the oh. options for true intimacy, I think, are... Um, quality? Yeah, for, for a quality relationship. I think, well, first of all, there, there are so many people in the city that there's, you know, probably maybe the odds are even better. You know, if you live in some small, you know, one horse town yeah. and there's seven single people there, the odds are... You well, know. you look at Montana and they have an 8% divorce rate, you know, and then here it's like close to 80. Not 80, is it? Yeah, it's, it's like 50-ish. 70s. 70s, jeez. Yeah. Wow. In New York City proper? Like yes, yeah, New York City. Yeah. Wow. Manhattan. Right. But again, I also think that there's the part of the human experience that, you know, invites the conversation about, are you okay being alone? And I am. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I will. I'm going to stay open at all times to welcoming great experiences and people into my world. I hope you do. But there also, I think, should be the duality of that, of sitting down and spending enough time with yourself, of self-love, self-care, and understanding if you would be okay being alone as well. Because guess what? The minute, because uh, I'm not seeking it out there. Mm-hmm. I'm open to it. I will work for it. I, but, I, but I'm not like, that's what I need to have. Right. Which like is, you're in- incomplete without yeah, a partner. exactly. Yeah. And that was what was really malicious and intense too. Because of his own insecurities, he used to throw that, my, throw that argument in my face, my ex, saying that like, it's like you need me or this and that. And I was like, I used to say all the time, I don't need you. I chose you. Right. Right. We so got are married. you going to show up to the thing we chose together or not? Was <laughs> yeah. he younger? Yeah, I mean, six months younger. No, so not really. Yeah. But, but I think that there's 
power for each human out there to also experiment and just play with the idea of, are you going to be okay if you're alone? Because that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and a lot of people are scared of scared of that, but why? Alone. And also, uh, flip side, it sounds like your ex husband was scared of having that big love. You know, yeah. I think he was the whole like he doesn't deserve it, like you talked about before. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We we are obviously not in touch. Um, so bring him on next episode and get <laughs> the other talked, side. <laughs> we talked about that last week uh, on our last Sunday uh, episode. Do you think, I want to ask you, do you think it's okay to be friends with an ex if you're in a current loving relationship? Do I think it's okay to be friends with an ex? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I do not. No. Mara has very rigid rules around that because uh, I'm guessing from personal experience. Listen, I, I don't know if anything, boundaries are strong, but if that's a rigid thing that you're just keeping yourself to, why? I, I, if, I don't know. Exactly. So I'd say that maybe there's an opportunity for some flexibility there to understand what it could bring to you. But also, I don't have any friend. Well, I have one now because we just work together. But mm. one ex, we are now friends. But I've never really maintained friendships with my ex. This one, I certainly, well, maybe, who knows? Who I'm knows open. Yeah. Maybe one day in the future. But right now, uh, I don't need Not. to have that energy in my life. Got it. I think this was great. This was awesome. <laughs> like, Thanks, do you guys. have any other questions? <laughs> um, I mean, I was just saying that. I was like, do we have more to cover? I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Well, to be honest. same here, but I'll just I do this one more time. <laughs> I mean, I do want to just end with, again, echoing what you were saying as well, that personal growth is so important. And I think that whether it be through coaching, a plan coaching, whether it be through therapy, whether it be through a meditation retreat, whether it be through just giving yourself the gift of a half hour a day to go do something you love that's purely for you, mm-hmm. redefining what that kind of selfish might feel like, do it. Personal growth is number one. And I think that um, the more is you value like the that, the more kind of limitless life you're going to lead. And that's what we believe in at A-Plan. Does, so the A-Plan app, I'm just thinking of uh, like a budget-friendly option. Free. Okay, go use it. You, you don't go. even have to be one of our clients. Go use it. You log daily wins. You can log progress on your goals. You enter your goals. You can put in notes. You can articles. You, you can go and keep yourself diligently, even self-coaching, but then come to us and get real coaching. But, you know, self-coaching around clocking what it is you're after and why. Yeah, because I do feel like a lot of the reasons why relationships break up is because people lose themselves within that. Right. So this is a great way also to stay accountable yeah. to yourself. One, I mean, I was saying that, right? The individual, mm-hmm. you have to guard the individual. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do love that my ex brought into my world is a quote, a specific way of phrasing that, being the guardian of one another's solitude. That's, that's what you sign on for. Mm-hmm. I want to guard your solitude and what makes you you as an individual. And that's going to constantly shift and grow. So we have to keep in communication and touch about that. But then we get to both guard that for each other and then choose to grow together as a unit. Do you want to get married again ultimately? Or are you open to that? I am open to everything in the world because I've, like I said, I've learned that I don't want to, I don't want to close off anything in my world. When I want you, expansiveness, but I don't know if it's necessary. When you look, when you reflect on your relationship, do you recall any periods where, you know, you were getting certain signs and signals that you may have overlooked because of love? You did mention yeah. that briefly. You said um, yeah. love is blind. There were, there were other hurtful things and some monumental landmark hurtful things that happened um, where, in hindsight, I probably should have left. Like um, earlier? 
earlier. Mm-hmm. And I did But you were crazy about him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I even nature. up to the moment that he, like I said, I was going to stay with it. I did not expect him to uh, Drop deliver that, that final bomb. Um, and I'm better off for it, probably. I don't know. I am. You know <laughs> what I mean? I am. Of course. Like, but... You have to There's go through still, all those things to be yeah, where you are now. And there will always be a huge portion of me, though, that mourns the loss of that that specific love. But, like I said, that was a lesson from the universe, and it's only opened me up to all the endless, cool, crazy shit that's going to come my way. Have you started developing feelings for anyone in the year you've been single, or have you, have you been? Not in that way. Yeah. There have been a couple people that I, like, casually dated, um... Not, not even, you know, just like went on numerous dates with, I'll say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that had potential, but for whatever reasons, yeah, it doesn't, it it's, wasn't right. It's hard out there. <laughs> like, have you had, have you been on any like crazy As someone dates? who's been married oh, four times, first, she's saying it's hard Listen, the first Tinder date I went on, I almost deleted the app immediately, which I'm glad I didn't. Why? But the guy showed up um, and I, I only commit to a coffee. Or a drink. Because okay. then you can graduate to a dinner or a brunch or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you don't want to well. be stuck on you don't dinner the first day. <laughs> so I, sh- I show up, and this guy shows up, and he is different than his pictures. Not mm-hmm. drastically, though. I was like, all right, he used old photos. Older, fatter? Uh, a little bit older. older. Um, not fatter, just a little bit older. Yeah. But the whole, this was a 20-minute day, and it couldn't have gone faster. This guy, <laughs> this guy doesn't make eye contact, which automatically to me is like, whoa, I don't know if I can even trust you. Right, yeah. <laughs> Talking a mile a minute. And it comes out, and obviously I'm, I don't mean to like. Well, you don't know who he is, so it doesn't matter. Um, this guy, <laughs> <laughs> it comes out. We're that not gonna he, tag him in the photo. In that twenty minutes, just rambling, not making eye contact, like super awkward. I'm trying to engage Was it with a him. Comedian? No, <laughs> I'm trying to engage with him, and it comes out that he's not out of the closet. He's actually five years older than he said, so he's almost mm. forty. He's not out of the closet. He's never had sex, and he <laughs> is on the spectrum. Oh, the spectrum. I was thinking that when you mentioned the so eye contact. So all of those things combined, though, it's like, yeah. I, hey. Cool. Just be honest. Yeah. Be upfront with that before we meet. Like, uh, listen, we had a, I couldn't get out of there fast enough because it was so awkward in the way he was doing it all. But I still have empathy and understanding and care for this, Mm -hmm. for this experience. Like, you're like, you you need a therapist and a coach and not a, a, (laughs) I did not give him my card afterwards. No. Um, But just in general, I I think it's less, I don't, I know why there's probably the self protection element of why he presents himself one way when the truth is another. But I think that's something that is com- more common, I'm realizing, with apps, too. People, a presentational side versus an authentic side. And I think, why are we wasting so much fucking time trying to have these optics? And listen, I do the Instagram game because of modeling. I fell into the modeling world like eight years ago. Mine's a mixture of, like, I authentic me. I it by being absolutely stunning. <laughs> <laughs> I got scouted <laughs> on the street. But, like, there's, there's the game of optics, for sure. But, like, as long as you acknowledge it and are aware of that. Like, I do this sort of game and post shirtless selfie bullshit because that helps traction for that job. Right. But when it comes to dating, if you're actually looking for an authentic connection with someone, even if it's going to be for an hour, why are you wasting time faking anything or presenting something that's not really you? I want you to sit down across this and, like, hey, if my shit is too much for you, great peace out. If my baggage is too much for you, great, peace out. If my joy is too much, what I want you to be able to clock everything real. Mm-hmm. Because so we're not going to build anything real if you don't present yourself <laughs> as real. But you're very intense. So I can imagine you I'm being kind intense. of a lot for, for someone immediately out of the gate. Well, that, I'm not going to like jump into like every epic I know, moment. You sit down <laughs> at your first date and you're like, 
Okay. Tell so me your dreams, my, your hopes, yeah. your desires. No, not at all. Here I, are mine. <laughs> but I have listen, certain boundaries. Here's, here's the thing. You just you just pushed on something for me in the sense of I've been told that I'm too much, and that phrasing, or that just that phrase, I totally chose to flip that. I own that I am a very energetic. I own that I am a very intuitive. I own that I am a very um, action-oriented and l- big light. Mm-hmm. I am not in any way too much. If you feel, and not you, but if anybody out there feels intimidated or dimmed down by being around this light, cool. That's great. Go your own way and find another candlelight. Yeah, it's I'm going to go match. find a firework, and that's cool. Mm. That's great. We can still own and love each other and be supportive of you being a different right. kind of light. There's 8 million people in the city, Mary. I don't think... But too much implies a judgment. Well, that's that what I'm saying. Yeah. Drove me I crazy. Said intense. I no, said not you. I'm <laughs> saying you. T- <laughs> no, I know. I'm saying that you tapped into that for me when we were talking about dating and stuff. That like being told anything like that is like. Well, actually, what's interesting is that that's not a me issue. That's something you're uncomfortable with. So yeah. cool. Like let's either go talk find about your that match. Or I'll go, go find, find your match. Yeah, and I'll yeah. find mine. Yeah. Yeah, uh, George and I had that conversation before because he was like, uh, I said I want to have a big life, and I meant. Like a big love, like mm. I want. I don't care about material things, um, and uh, if I did, I would be fucked. And uh, <laughs> I don't have any. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, "Well, I can't give you that big." And so we had a communication barrier because he thought I meant things, things and I just meant I want yeah. the notebook. You know, <laughs> the notebook. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, we just communication is. Really, the major point here, I think, and really valuing yourself and having boundaries and sticking with them. For sure. It's a ownership. It's a personal ownership. Ownership of what you want, ownership of who you are, clarity and understanding and awareness of your own flaws, joys, successes, all of it. Mm -hmm. And then unapologetically having boundaries and still staying flexible and malleable to the fact that you know nothing. You know nothing, Jon Snow. It's true. You know yourself and you will continue to, but be open always because the world is expansive and wild and crazy. How can people get a hold of you or coaching or... Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Swipe away, swipe away. You might hit George Michael impersonations (laughs) happen down on... Um, So aplancoaching.com, a-plancoaching.com. Um, I'm one of the founding coaches. We have a plethora of coaches out there available to you. Um, download the app for free if you want. Um, you can hit me up on a normal social media thing and see that douchebaggery on Instagram if you want. It's <laughs> at Colin Baja. It's worth it. Um, <laughs> but in general, a, a-plancoaching, aplancoaching.com is where to find me okay. and find resources. And Baja uh, spelled like Baja. Yes. So yeah. C-O-L-L-I-N-B-A-J-A. Yes. Yes. Uh, that was so great. That was really awesome. That Colin's a really nice guy. Yeah. Colin yeah. and very hot. He's a handsome, and he was, I didn't realize he was that tall. <laughs> we got, you know, at first I was like, all right, you're good looking. And, and I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm so far removed from your. I know, you put like a whole blanket over yourself just now. Like, are you insecure? Oh, this jacket? <laughs> no, it's cold, freezing in here. But here's the <laughs> issue. So like, you know, I, he was, he's a very good looking guy. And, uh, but I didn't feel like, you know. He was completely out. Like if, you know, we walked into a place together, everyone would notice him and I'd be like a ghost. But then he stood oh, I, up. I, I believe that. Do you think he's way hotter than me? <laughs> no. I'm starting to sound like Andrew Collin now, right? Um, uh, he's, he's, he's very handsome. But then he got up and he's like 6'2 also. 
Yeah. Yeah. He so just, he, he, I saw him. I first was like, when he damn. Was Once he got up, me. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you win. <laughs> he like came out of the heavens for me. I was like, what is? This? He's smoking. <laughs> yeah, smoking. Uh, he's one of those so guys. Knowledgeable and loving. It's like, how does that person exist on this planet? <laughs> and he's single, and he's like, you know. <laughs> and some guy just threw just him away. Just threw him away. Yeah. Uh, well, they were they were a, a bad match. It sounds like you know the ex was not uh. Was not that guy. He was not a warm, affectionate, introspective person. He maybe was, he would be in ten years. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe certainly, I've changed a lot. I think I was, I was less, you know, open to a relationship, you know, ten years ago. So who knows? Maybe he's just. Maybe it is a maturation thing. Maybe right. he's just immature. But I don't know. It sounded like they were <laughs> not. Maturation. Were not a great match. Maturation, mature, maturation. Yeah, you're right. I think just the way that you say things. I know I'm such a dork. <laughs> like, hello, I'm a college professor. Yeah, uh, well, you know, that, and that's another thing. You know, so so, coaching has a poor reputation among um, psychologists, social workers, mental health professionals, and you know, I think it, it depends on the type of coaching. Uh, in terms of whether that's val- whether those kind of criticisms are valid, you know, and it sounded like he was pretty ethical. That you know, if, if he encountered someone that he felt needed more help, that he would refer them to a therapist and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know how much of that contempt for coaching in the, in the world of mental health is is valid, and how much isn't. Um, Do you think it's just a contempt because they're threatened by it? Well, you know, there certainly is less training. You know, I, I don't think I don't think you don't have to go to school to become a life coach. You just need a certification, I think. Or yeah, to be a Carl Jung Jungian uh, analyst, you mm-hmm. have to go. You have to get your PhD, and then you go to his school in Switzerland for three years. To be a, a a proper Jungian, I don't know. Maybe yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, you can be you can be an analytical. My boyfriend f- sent me to a Jungian analyst and told me all about their schooling, and I was like. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, and that. I'm gonna and, break up with you either. And way. that's the t- when, so when he when when I asked him for his um, credentials. No, when I asked him difference? to yeah for the distinction between coaching and therapy, the type of, of therapy that he described was more analytical psychoanalysis, where you're going into your childhood mm-hmm. and you're you know there's it take you know grudging up yeah and it takes six years and they want you to go more than once a week in some cases so that's. And that that that's a little outmoded, you know. I mean, psychoanalysis is the only the only type of um, disorder you really go to psychoanalysis for is if you have a personality disorder, because that kind of long term therapy is sometimes helpful in in personality disorders, which which are very hard to treat. But cognitive behavioral therapy, it is more, you know, uh, um, it is more problem solving oriented. And um, it is m- more aligned with coaching. So I think, you know, um, I think... It, Who is it, a good candidate for CBT? Uh, people with addictions, people with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, depression, anxiety. Uh, you know, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that people go to therapy for, uh, CBT is, uh, has shown to be the most effective mm. in research. So like every person in New York City. I think, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it, and it's so coveted, and there's you know really good cognitive behavior. It's really hard to find a good cognitive behavioral therapist that takes insurance because it's so coveted. Like people really, really seek it out, and it is, and it's also short term. Uh, you know, CBT uh, should really, you really shouldn't be going to get cognitive behavioral therapy for more than a year 
You, you should know, maybe not be. no, because you what happens is you learn the strategies, you learn uh, how to you know apply those kind of changes, how to challenge your irrational thoughts, all of the kind of things that you learn to change your behavior in CBT. You can then take and apply uh, after after the therapy's over. So you're not supposed to be in cognitive behavioral therapy for five, six years like psychoanalysis. Well, plus there's uh, programs that you can do month-long, full-time CBT programs Mm -hmm. where you go for the whole day and then that's it. And then you start and then you go. Yeah, because you're really really just learning a different way, ways to challenge irrational beliefs, uh, ways to challenge your thoughts and to change your behavior. And then, you know. You know, you have to just keep applying that until it becomes natural for you. So that he wasn't saying in replace of therapy. He was saying in addition to and he partners with uh, with therapists all the time. And I really think, you know, I used to not be a life coach. I was like, that's a bullshit Right. Well, I dated a life coach whose life was a mess, and it was like you know. (laughs) And and listen, there are plenty of one for a year, (laughs) and there are plenty of psychologists who are nuts. You know, I'm I'm somewhat nuts. I'm, 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 I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm, I've been in therapy hey, for the majority of my trainer. adult life. There you go. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't disqualify you from being good at your job because uh, I am a good therapist, despite the fact that I sometimes I have a hard time. makes you better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it does because you can relate. Things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he me... seemed like an earnest good guy for sure. And oh my I'm God. sure he's good at what he so does. So loving. Yeah. Uh, well, and hot. I'm Did we mention do... hot? He's so fucking attractive. Damn. <laughs> Even when I was uh, setting up this appointment with him, with one of my clients, who also incredible human being, uh, he was like, you just wait till you see him. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever said that about me. <laughs> Maybe a couple people. Older I mean, women, 50s, 60s. Wait till you see your Instagram. It looks good. Uh, I'm going to do a uh, one of our sponsors that's keeping us alive and well, and that's stuck with us. Please do. Thick and Thin. Thick and they Thin. Are our, uh, we're married to them. <laughs> uh, actually, no- I just gave Sorry. this as a gift to two of my clients who just got pregnant. It's our ritual uh multivitamin it's obsessively researched you can see on their website ritual.com but make sure you put forward slash happy health it is transparent they've got uh you can see everything just even from their packaging their packaging is clear just like their uh pills and uh, it's sugar-free non-gmo gluten and allergen free uh it's won so many awards there's uh mint in it instead of having that fish oil burp up you take a multivitamin yeah uh occasionally you know i eat very i eat very healthy so i i think i get all my vitamins and minerals through food i do take a fish oil occasionally okay so um i'm just gonna do this off air because you're wrong you can't get all of your nutrients from food anymore anyway uh (laughs) no you you uh there really isn't any way to keep getting all your nutrients with with a proper diet for the amount of activity that we do because you used to be able to with the amount of caloric intake that we were supposed to get and with how uh, green and leafy and non-pesticide-y and um, how broken down all the foods are. But anyway, this is a great way uh, to get your vitamin E, omega-3s, algae, iron, especially for women. Iron is a big issue. We bleed like 30% 30% of our life. So, uh, and how do we stay alive? Who, who the fuck knows? Uh, how are we still alive? Anyway, so get ritual.com forward slash happy health. You get 10% off your first three months. Uh, again, that's ritual.com forward slash happy health. 
and it is a subscription-based thing, so you just put your information in, and they take all the guesswork out for you. Um, and that's a problem with uh, multivitamins is that you, you get them, and then you forget to get them again. I know. you forget, And it's such a pain to go to the store and rebuy them. So to have them sent, it's perfect. It's, it's awesome. It's like a prescription. I do it with my dog food. I have it with my... Well, you don't want to forget to get your dog food for a couple months, you know? <laughs> know. Your multivitamin, you're not going to die, but the dog food, you're going to... The dog could die. Yeah. Uh, Frank will never die. He eats most Frank will never food. die. He will never die. Oh, my die. God, I love Frank. I, I miss Frank already. Frank. I was, like, somewhat disappointed that Frank wasn't going <laughs> to be... We're at the not st- here. Can we have Frank house. on the podcast? He's always on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, as a guest with headphones on his ears. <laughs> I want a Frank. He has, he has worse ADD than you. He would need <laughs> two sets of headphones. Um... Okay, so I wanted to so anyway, ritual.com forward slash happy health. And if you if you if you're not if you're just looking for nutrition information, their website is fucking awesome. So uh, take a look at it. It's like a whole rabbit hole of it's a wealth of knowledge. Go there, check it out, and uh, subscription get subscription multivitamin sounds great because yeah. like I said, I, I'll get a multivitamin and I'll take it for you know sixty days because usually it's sixty in the bo- in the box, yep. and then I won't get them again for a year. This like, one's also 60 in a box, but you need to take it once in the morning and once in the evening. Oh, so it's a month supply. Yes. All right. I like it. <laughs> Sounds um, like a ritual. How? Oh. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> how have you been? I've been well. I've been, yeah? I've been well, yeah. It's just a lot of I'm running around, you know, because I'm living in the Hamptons, coming into the I city know. a lot. Is it, has it been more convenient for you? Has it been less convenient? I mean, it's just really nice being out there, so it's worth the inconvenience. But, you know, you know driving into the city, I don't know how people do it every day. Any of you out there who commute from the suburbs to the city, any city, uh, I give you a lot of credit because it's very, very annoying. It's like so much. Yeah, I came in last night for a show. I performed a comic strip live last night. Worked with Leslie Jones, who mocked me uh, <laughs> mercilessly about my mustache, and um, and she was uh, she was really funny. Um, and then uh, stayed at Kelly's, and then today I came in for this, which was awesome. This is awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm texting Michael's wife right now because I'm running late with her. Oh, um, are you training her? I am training. I train all the whole family. You and do? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Where do you do it? <laughs> I do it at... Right here uh, in the studio? Uh, no, I train up at 56th Street. But I actually, because my job, you know, you guys found out last Sunday that my job is in... Yes. I know. On, on air. On air. And uh, my intestines have been like... Okay, so before I got married my second time, the second marriage, I stressed myself out so much that I split my colon and my rectum, and I had to go, like, go in for emergency surgery, and then I had to sit in these sit spats during my honeymoon. Are you serious? I'm serious. Holy and so cow. my body... If there's I, any question if stress affects the body, right? It's, uh, yeah, I have yeah. the control. And you know, a lot, and that's true, a lot of it is in your gut. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Your intestines, So yeah. now I'm getting nosebleeds, like, every few hours. Oh, my God. And... Uh, my intestines, like, have been getting this sharp pain, like I'm getting stabbed. Send marrow money, everybody, like, <laughs> because this is a matter of life and death at this point. Please. Yeah, I've fallen down twice in, like, pain. And oh my, my God. Uh, and George was like, please go to the doctor. This is too much for me. Like, this is too much for anybody. Oh, my God, you poor yeah, thing. Yeah, it's been insane. But uh, so I'm. it was nice to have him on because it kind of gives you next steps. Like, how do you – now I'm having a full breakup with my job. Which is sad. It's like destruction. This is like worse than any of my actual divorces. Right. That I didn't even show up to court for. Right. Yeah, because like, this is this you know can affect your livelihood. Yeah. Although I guess the billionaire leaving you could also affect your livelihood or, or your <laughs> lifestyle anyway. 
Um, I just don't get to go on half vacations anymore. Right. You don't get to get charted yachts out of the I know. Caribbean. Um, so what are your, what, what's going on? What are your next steps? How, I guess go to the doctor. Uh, I was actually referring to your work, but yeah, your, your health also. You probably should if you're, if you're having that kind of... Maybe uh, you need some temporary medication. Yeah, I think I need so. to just go and figure out my next steps and... Uh, be proactive and because I haven't been able to really think about what am I going to do next because I've just been kind of whirling around this. You're not going to stay at the gym that takes over there? No, I they were just so deceptive. Just like how Colin was talking about how his ex wife was or ex husband was so like just, just so much deceit mm-hmm. and uh, my work lied to us to our faces they were they right. told us you said they were coming in and scouting and surveying and they were scouting but our boss and owner were like i promise you nothing is changing and she said the words i promise wow and uh we actually asked her about that during the meeting it was great that we had this huge meeting people confronted her yeah it was crazy and uh well no one really did except for shane who's been on this podcast before my trainer and another trainer who's very sarcastic and all of our responses were very much like our own. So they have this meeting and they're like, we're closing down and I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, You already are remiss. I know. And I was like, ugh. So every time that she would lie, we would... You're miss remiss. We're just counting. And uh, <laughs> like... It'd be funny if you guys were all chanting the count out loud. <laughs> three. <laughs> oh, we both did three. That was good. So... I finally, the, the sales manager was like, you know, your jobs are not guaranteed at the new place. You still have to reapply and re-interview and they're not opening for eight months, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and he goes, but you need to put your best foot forward because they're going to come in and be uh, evaluating you all and just make sure that you're still bringing in revenue to prove that you are a good employee, that they'd want to bring you on. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you want us to be positive and bring in the old club revenue that isn't transferring this none of the services are transferring to the new club so you want us to steal from the people that have been supporting our lives and that we've been that we have this intimate relationship with uh our clients and then not be guaranteed a position i said this out loud i was like you guys are manipulating us this is toxic it's a toxic relationship and we're getting fucked and uh and then you said that yeah Good for you, and Mara. Shane um, spoke up and saved it because they were like, no, 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 Mara, Mara. And, uh, and then everybody was like, yeah, we're getting fucked. And, uh, and Shane was like, okay, let me explain, articulate a little bit different perspective because they weren't getting what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was like insane. Yeah. And then the, so we have this two and a half hour meeting about it. And this porter that's sitting next to me is texting with her husband and he's like, how's it going? And she writes back to him, we're getting fucked as fuck. <laughs> I was like, that is perfect. Fucked as fuck. So we have this full two and a half hour meeting at the very end of it. This trainer from Someone should run on Street. that on that slogan for 2020. <laughs> we getting fucked as fuck. Fucked as fuck. <laughs> we got fucked as fuck. Uh, this trainer from 50th Street that's closing down all the way. We have the full meeting. It's the last 15 minutes. And he goes, wait, we closing? <laughs> oh, shit. He didn't, he or she? 
he he didn't even know what was going on up to that point time he just meant wow he thought he was there for the bagels and the coffee (laughs) wow that's insane i know i was like this is ridiculous so yeah that's been interesting and uh it's a new chapter. I feel like all the chapters are closing in my life right now. Have and you secured like, your most of your clients for going forward, or how? Yeah, they're all on sat, board. They're all ready to go. Yeah, it's been uh, interesting to say the least. Um, so uh, everybody's been so. So New York Health and Racket Club will be no more. New York Health and Racket. There will be a few clubs left. Okay. They are the original Seinfeld club. That's what yeah, all those that's scenes. Yeah, vintage New York City club. I, I used know. to go there when I was a kid with my dad. Yeah. yeah. Um. And now, it they're going to keep a couple of clubs open because if they closed all of them, then they would have to refund membership money, which they can't afford to oh, do. Oh wow! So, so now they're, they're telling these people, uh, yeah, you're still a member. You just can't go to your local gym anymore, which yeah, sucks. You can only go to these three clubs right. instead. Upper East Side's got probably staying open, right? Yeah, One of them. Yeah, seventy six and. 13th, I think. Who knows? Uh, you don't take I'm stuff away from Upper East Siders? No. You, no. You fucking do not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. I have stood and I teach it on the Upper East Side and uh, there was a fight over a spin bike once and I actually stood in the corner and faced the wall because I was like, I am not getting involved. No. <laughs> yeah. Is, shit's about to go down. You end up in the New York Post. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, I have a client I have to get going, uh, oh. but I definitely, okay. I didn't realize it was so late. Yeah. I wanted to do a, a longer part two to this, but, well, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be back. We will be. The two of us having yep. one of our, yep. they seem pretty popular. People seem to like our chemistry, they really do. don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And we did great with And guests. we're going to keep bringing in more experts. <laughs> yes, every I'm gonna, week, I'm going to bring in some people from the field, from the field of psychology. So please send in your questions. I know we couldn't get to your questions today because Colin had just such a wealth of information, but uh, send in your questions and we'll make sure to ask them with the experts uh, and or if we can answer them just on our own, we will do that. We can answer. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we love you guys and uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review. Uh, where can we find you? Photo, no, she didn't on Instagram. Photo, no, she didn't. Trying to get to 2,000 followers oh, by 2025. 2K, 2K. Hey, you passed 1,500 when you first started. Did I? You needed to pass 1,500. I don't think I did. I'm just getting more ambitious. Look at me, <laughs> greedy bastard. Um, and then you can follow me directly at Mara Merrick or follow the podcast at Happy Never After Podcast. Uh, we love you guys and thank you so much. Thank you.